0: You're listening to the Sharp Cheddar Podcast. Here's your host, Joe D'Aloisio.
1: Welcome to episode 41 of the Sharp Cheddar Podcast, coming to you live from the New York City studios. Joe D'Aloisio here. Give me a follow on Twitter, at Joe, double underscore, D-A-L-O-I-S-I-O. Special thanks to Voice Guy for creating that beginning. You're listening to the Sharp Cheddar Podcast. Here's your host. It's a little flair to the podcast. You'll hear a little bit more of that Um, Throughout the podcast, we're we're upping it up a little bit. We decided to add a little bit more production value to the Sharp Cheddar podcast. I care what it sounds like. I know the fans care, so I want to give you a little bit more. So be on the lookout for a little bit more production when it comes to the Sharp Cheddar podcast coming very, very soon. Week two. Week two of the NFL season officially underway. It kicked off Thursday night. The Bengals versus the Browns. 35-30. Big win for the Browns. Both the teams starting off 0-2. Baker Mayfield slinging the ball all over over the field. Looking like actually a decent quarterback. The rookie, the number one pick, Joe Burrow, throwing 60-plus times. I don't know what Zach Taylor is doing there. Not entirely sure. Kind of feel bad. A lot of throws for a young kid. Definitely, definitely not your low-scoring, typical Thursday night game. And that's what I liked, right? We're used to seeing these trash Thursday night games low scoring. By the way, next week, pretty certain it's Miami against Jacksonville. Might not even turn that game on. Very good chance I don't even turn that game on, unless for some reason, two is starting. Like to see what he could do. But Thursday night football usually very sloppy. A lot of points in this one. Anyone who took the under, you got burnt. You got burnt big time. But week two, officially here. Fall is in the air, especially in the New York City area, the Northeast. Looking at 60s all weekend long. Not complaining because on Sunday, I'm not moving from the couch. The minute football starts to the minute football ends. My butt is indented into the sofa. It's embarrassing. I feel like a slob. But I allow myself to do this for 17 straight weeks. 18 straight weeks. And by the time you know it, we'll be doing the Sharp Cheddar podcast and it'll be week 10. So I'm going to cherish every single moment of this. Now, for the Green Bay Packers, week two. They welcome in the Detroit Lions to Lambeau Field. Although things will be very different. Still no fans in the stands. It is still the home opener. For the Green Bay Packers. First game at Lambeau. It's going to suck. Only because when Devontae Adams scores a touchdown. Or when Aaron Rodgers scores a touchdown. Or Aaron Jones or insert this Packer player scoring a touchdown at Lambeau. They won't be able to do their traditional Lambeau leap into the crowd. Now. I'm hoping. Even though there's no fans. That we still see some Lambeau leaps. Keep the tradition alive. I'm not sure if any of the media members asked any of the Packer players this week on the upcoming game about doing a Lambeau Leap. I'm not sure. So I apologize if you're listening and you already heard somebody come out and say, yeah, I'm going to do a Lambeau Leap. I apologize. Can't keep up with everything. I try. With that being said, I really hope somebody decides to jump into the stands where no, no fans keep the tradition rolling. Home opener, Packers going here for an eighth straight home opener win. All right, they've won seven straight home openers between 2013 and 2019. Another divisional rival, another challenge for Matt LaFleur, who's been absolutely astonishing. has dominated the division since taking over as head coach of the Green Bay Packers. 7-0 and if you count that win against the Vikings. If they win on Sunday against the Lions, that'll obviously move them to 8-0 and against the division. The current record set by first-year head coaches, our new head coach, is 12 straight. Coach Mariucci, Steve-O, he pulled that off. Ironically enough, the Packers record is 12. Can Matt LaFleur get to 12-0 and against the division? I don't think he will. It would be an amazing start to his Packer coaching career. Already off to a great start just one year in. But, likelihood of it happening... Not very high. I could totally see him dropping a game against Minnesota. Falling into a trap against Chicago. Regardless, if there's one thing I know with this upcoming matchup, other than the fact that there'll be no fans and that it'll be the home opener, the Detroit Lions are coming to Lambeau Field and they are hungry. They are hungry for a win after, their, after last week's brutal performance. Letting Mitch Trubisky, one of the worst quarterbacks in the league, score 21 points in the fourth quarter and losing the way that they lost. But not only are they hungry from last week's terrible loss, this team is definitely hungry after their two losses against the Green Bay Packers last season. Okay, 23-22 in that first game, Packers win. Second game, another close one, 23-20. Yeah, they're close game, so what? So what? In both of those games, the Green Bay Packers did not hold a single lead. Let me repeat that. In both of those games, the Packers did not hold a single lead. Game-winning field goals from Mason Crosby in the final seconds, Packers prevail. Matt LaFleur even said it earlier in the week, it's a miracle that we won both of those games. Not having a single lead, imagine that. The the Lions absolutely want this one. I mean, they want it regardless of, It's a divisional game. But you throw in what happened last week. You throw in the two losses from last season. You would think this team is going to do whatever they can to win this game. A little later in the podcast, we'll welcome in Jeremy Reisman, Detroit Lions beat writer for Pride of Detroit. Give him a follow on Twitter, at Detroit Online. We had Jeremy on last season to preview that first matchup between the Lions and the Packers when I first started the podcast. Great conversation. Good guy. Gave him a ring. He was kind enough to say, yeah, I'll hop back back on. We'll break it down. We'll chat. So we'll get a little bit of a uh, Lions perspective a little later in the podcast. See what's going on over there. A lot of injuries. Kenny Galladay, what's up? Is he going to play? Doesn't look so good. Jamie Collins, bonehead ejection. Matt Patricia, Jeff Akuda making his debut. What's going on in Detroit? We'll hear from Jeremy a little bit later in the podcast. And of course, of course, of course, of course. And this is why I know you all love the preview podcast. Before I go, I'll have my three picks of the week. If you followed along last week, you made some nice extra Scott all in your pockets. Nice 3-0 week to start the season. I'm as impressed as you are because I'm terrible at picks, but I'll continue to do it because it's fun. And there's a good chance that this year with the picks, I decided that I'm not going to play my picks which means they're probably going to hit. Which also means I just jinxed myself. So whatever I say for this podcast, you're better off not listening or going to the opposite. But of course we have our picks of the week a little bit later. Hope, hopefully the, the, the trend continues. But let's ride the wave. Ride it while it's hot. 3-0. Good way to start the season. Let's dive into this matchup, Packer's side of things. Packer's lines, week two. First looking at the injury front. As of the time of the recording, okay, things may change. Friday, Friday afternoon. Packer's injury report, the latest designations haven't been disclosed. same thing for the lines. Things may change. One big guy who's missed practice. Two days straight. Wednesday, Thursday. Kenny Clark. Okay, he left Minnesota's game in the first half with a groin injury. Kenny Clark likely out for Sunday's game against the Lions. And that's a big loss. That's a huge loss for the Green Bay Packers and hopefully... Hopefully, it's not an extended period of time. Because as of right now, the Packers can't afford to be without Kenny Clark. We saw a lot of deficiencies in that defense in week one against the Vikings. Another guy who is out on Thursday... Packers rookie tight end, Josiah DeGora. He's dealing with the shin injury. He had a great debut. Played 24 snaps in his debut. Did a lot of little things. Great blocking. Few targets. I believe one or two receptions. All over the field. You could really tell why Matt LaFleur wanted a guy like this in his offense. And he fits. He fits the scheme extremely well. I scoffed at the pick come draft time. That's why I'm behind the mic and not on the sideline, though. I'm going to trust what the head coach says. I'm going to trust what he knows, what he's doing. And I'll pretend like I know what I'm doing and saying, and I'll break it all down. EQ. Out again on Thursday. He was inactive week one. Here's a guy that you heard a lot about in training camp in terms of the wide receivers. A position group that was talked about a lot. That you were hoping that once he gets on the field, he could make an impact. He could be a difference maker for Aaron Rodgers for this offense. But if you get the production out from Alan Lazard... And from MVS, can cons- if we could build some consistency here with those two wide receivers, EQ not being out there, not so bad. Love to see what the Packers actually have in this guy. Because we still haven't seen it. But if Lazard and MVS could find some consistency in their game, and I think Lazard we could pull we could pencil him into pretty consistent. It's more of MVS who needs to show up on an every week basis. But if they do, with the addition of Devontae Adams, including Devontae Adams, you might just be all right. And you saw that in week one against the Minnesota Vikings. Speaking of Alan Lazard, Relatively decent success against the Lions last season. In both games combined, 8 receptions, 134 yards. Two scores against the NFC North rivals. Not bad. Not bad at all. And we'll talk about in just a few moments... Why these guys. Why Aaron Rodgers. Why they could also be primed for a very good game. Another back-to-back offensive spectacular performance. Another area in terms of the injury front. A little good news though. The offensive line. Jenkins. Billy Turner, Lucas Patrick, they all practice on Thursday. Very good sign for Sunday considering how quick everyone was dropping last week. Right? We didn't see Billy Turner. He was out. We knew that was going to happen. Lost Lane Taylor. He's done for the season. Knee surgery. You saw a little bit of John Runyon Jr. You know what you have. You may know what you have in him. A lot more positives. Not many negatives at all from that front. So if you have to shift people around, the Packers have the depth right now to do it. But if these guys start going down, they're going to have to start bringing guys in. It's just not going to happen. Won't make it through the season. There's only so much piecing you could do. When I look at this game, I have a few keys to victory that that I think are pretty evident here. Number one is Aaron Rodgers attacking the Lions' weak secondary. If you thought Aaron Rodgers had himself a good afternoon going against young, a young Viking secondary. You could expect much of the same this upcoming week against the Detroit Lions. Okay, they lost Justin Coleman, Desmond Trufant, Coleman's on IR, Trufant, who knows. Now, the one bright spot for this line secondary, and again, we'll break this down with Jeremy a little bit later in the podcast. Jeff Okuda, the third overall pick, who missed Week One because of a hamstring injury, I believe. He was back in practice. He looks like he will make his NFL debut. This kid has a ton of potential. He has yet to go against an opposing wide receiver he is likely to have to deal with Devontae Adams, game number one, coming off a hamstring injury. Not coming off, still dealing with it. You, it. you get one of those injuries, you're dealing with it all season long, let's be honest. I Don't think it's going to be very easy for the rookie. This is a Devontae Adams who just is coming off 14 receptions. And a completely, the combination of him and Aaron Rodgers completely abused the Viking secondary. If Mitch Trubisky, and again, I'm sorry, I can't help but bash Mitch Trubisky. I just think he's a terrible quarterback. But if Mitch Trubisky could do what he did to that line secondary, my God, I, I am nervous for what Aaron Rodgers could do. And maybe this is me hyping them up way too much. Maybe this is me being a little bit too much of a fanboy, which you never really hear on this podcast. But I truthfully can't point out many flaws from that Packers offense in week one. And especially after watching Rodgers play. The subtle changes that he has made in his mechanics. You could tell. It made a huge difference on every single one of his throws. In week one. And all I'm saying is if a a terrible quarterback could do it. A future Hall of Famer should have no problem doing it. More importantly should have no problem doing it throughout the entire game. And that's what I really hope happens. In this week two matchup against the Lions. I hope Matt LaFleur is aggressive. And I hope he keeps attacking. He keeps attacking, and he keeps going after it. Because I'll tell you what, against the Vikings, there wasn't a single time when the Packers offense got the ball where I was nervous that they weren't going to score. That's the type of zoning in. They were so focused. was a thing of beauty to watch. You can't deny it. It was absolutely amazing to watch. And I think we could see another performance like that from Aaron Rodgers and company. Offensive line, right? We just talked about the injury front. The offensive line, Aaron Rodgers, they go hand in hand. You give Rodgers time to throw the ball, he will find the guys. I think the offensive line has a good test this week against a Lions front who struggled to get any pressure against the Chicago Bears and Mitch Trubisky. Last week, The Lions were only able to hit Mitch Trubisky four times. Sacked him once. When you can't get a pass rush going, it is going to make it so much harder on your secondary. They're going to have to cover longer. They're going to get exhausted. Someone's going to get open. You got a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, he'll find your guy. I really think Aaron Rodgers is going to have a field day on Sunday. And I'm so nervous that I'm so confident that I'm going to be, I'm going to be extremely let down. But I honestly don't see it happening. You know, I, I even think the running backs are going to have themselves a day. Didn't do anything spectacular in week one against the Vikings, but it was a good mix of Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, and both of these backs had pretty solid success against the Lions last season. Combining for 339 yards on 60 carries, each of them had a 100-yard game apiece. I could see them having a big day. I think Matt LaFleur is going to want to establish that even more this week. And don't be surprised if you're going to see a heavier dose or at least more opportunities for A.J. Dillon. Cough, cough, hopefully if the ball's on the one-yard line. We see the big bruiser in there. The one red flag from last week. And we know... That that's a distinct possibility. Because Matt LaFleur even said it to the reporters earlier in the week. He'd like to get A.J. Dillon in there more. Overall, though, I really think this offense. Could they score 40 again? I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. I think you're looking at 30 points, no problem. I'd be shocked if they go less than 30. I really would be. I would love to hear why. If you're listening to the podcast, you're 22 minutes in, 23 minutes in, whatever it is. Tweet me at Joe, double underscore, D A L O I S I O. Packers fans, Lions fans, NFL fan, tweet me. Let me know why you think they won't score 30 points after that week one performance. I think you're going up a secondary that's just as bad. Just as bad, if not worse. You're putting a lot of faith in a rookie cornerback, cornerback, third overall pick to contain one of the best wide receivers in the NFL in his first game dealing with a hamstring injury. Doesn't sound like a recipe to su- for success to me. On the defensive side of things, And this is where the absence of Kenny Clark really hurts. The defense overall, though, needs to be better. They gave up a lot of yards per play. Minnesota went down the field relatively easy. A lot of people are saying, well, they just wanted to keep them in front, which is fine, but a little too easy for my liking. Remember, Detroit Lions have Adrian Peterson. You look at his age as a dinosaur, but you look at the way he runs, and he still got it. And they're going to have to respect Adrian Peterson. He's still got it. He still has a motor. Showed that in week one. If Clark's out, Kingsley Kiki, he'll be the next one to get that opportunity to kind of stuff that middle. I mean, Adrian Peterson almost ran for 100 yards in week one. 14 carries, 93 yards. He still got it. And you better believe that the Lions are going to try to get that run game going. Establish that run game. Go for the play action. Open it up. Now, in terms of who's Matt... Stafford throwing the ball to, Well. Not as many high-profile targets as he'd like. Packer secondary will likely not have to deal with Kenny Galladay. He's still banged up. He missed week one. Also with a hamstring injury. Before this unit... I'd love for the Packers to get after Stafford. Knock them around. I didn't think they had great success getting after Cousins in week one. Only two sacks. Jari Alexander. Big safety. But there's a lot of things that I'm going to have my eye out when I'm watching this game. Can Chris Barnes, the undrafted rookie from UCLA, how will he perform? How will he do after catching the eyes of so many? Because I know the line circled him on defense when watching the film. She did a lot of great things in week one. Christian Kirksey, who led the team in tackles, can he continue? To be healthy, stay on the field, and make an impact. Another guy that I'm going to be watching. Preston Smith. Last season, Zadarius and Preston Smith had a hell of a year. Zadarius getting on the sack board last week. Preston not getting on the board at all. Playing over 80% of the snaps. Obviously a starter for the Green Bay Packers. Did not record a single stat line. Not a single tackle. Love to be able to see him get him going. Rashawn Gary. Another guy that you heard about all camp. Two quarterback hits in week one. Pretty certain one of them led to the interception. Does he carry that momentum into week two? Overall though defensively stop the run, force Matt Stafford to beat you with Danny Amendola, TJ Hawkinson, and offensively attack the weak spots. Attack the secondary, and you could expect a guy, a veteran, a future Hall of Famer in Aaron Rodgers, he's going to know where to put put his guys. He's going to understand how to exploit this defense the same way that he did in week one against the Minnesota Vikings. All right, so you know where I stand here with the Green Bay Packers. I sprinkled in a little Lions information, but let's take a deeper dive into the Detroit Lions. Coming up next, Jeremy Reisman, Detroit Lions beat reporter for the Pride of Detroit. He will join me on the Sharp Cheddar podcast and break down this week two matchup. Go Pack! Go! To the hotline we go, let's learn more about the Detroit Lions and preview this week two matchup between the Packers and the Detroit Lions. Let's welcome in Jeremy Reisman, Detroit Lions, beat writer for Pride of Detroit. Give him a follow on Twitter at Detroit Online. Jeremy, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. All right, so let's start off with last week's fourth quarter collapse. All right. For those of for the people that didn't watch the game as intently, as closely as you did, what the hell happened in that fourth quarter? <laughs>
0: Uh, just about everything that, that could have gone wrong did end up going wrong. Obviously, the Lions gave up three passing touchdowns to Mitchell Trubisky. Um, it, it, it's a familiar story for a lot of Lions fans, but maybe the circumstances were a little different. Um, the Lions lost their starting nickel cornerback. They, they lost their starting outside cornerback in the middle of that game. So they were basically relying on a bunch of second and third string guys to, to stop Mitchell Trubisky, and they couldn't. Meanwhile, the offense got a little conservative at the end. Matthew Stafford made a couple big mistakes, including taking a sack that pushed them out of field goal range and throwing an interception. So when I say literally everything that could have gone wrong went wrong, it did. They they also missed a field goal in there. So uh, just basically everything kind of collapsed at the wrong time. And and just like the season opener last year when they blew a a 16-point lead to the Cardinals, they blew a 17-point lead to to the Bears and and had a really – Disappointing start to the season. And we'll touch
1: on that secondary in just a few moments. But overall, you look at the Lions. Dropping 13 of their last 14. What would you attribute this to? Is this a Matt-Patricia thing? Is there, a, is there one glaring part of this team that you would attribute
0: that to? Uh, I guess it would probably. If, if I were to point in one thing, it would have to be the defense. Um and, and I guess that goes back to coaching too, since Matt Patricia's a defensive minded coach. Um, but their, their past defense has really struggled um, basically since he's been in town. And you look at, at what Mitch Trubisky has been able to do to this team for the past three years is, is really the only thing you need to see. Um, he, he's a quarterback that's struggled pretty much everywhere else he's gone. And it's, it's been a marriage of a whole bunch of things, you know, coverage issues, lack of a pass rush. Um, just nothing seems to be working for them right now. And, uh, it's it's the main reason why they can't hold on to leads is because they can't stop the pass. Um, they can't hold a lead when when you can't stop an opposing quarterback, and uh, it, it's really cost them a lot of games. They, they blew seven fourth-quarter leads last year, um, already off to one this year, and I think that pass defense really has a lot to do with it.
1: You know, it's really frustrating when you, you keep saying that Mitchell Trubisky is is lighting this defense up, and then you go back to last season's matchup between the Packers and the Lions, where the Packers didn't hold a single lead but somehow figured out a way to squeak out a victory you would think Aaron Rodgers would be able to find him find some sort of a routine and and get the team going against that secondary
0: yeah it, it's kind of weird I, I think the the Lions kind of have a knack under Matt Patricia to play up to their competition you know they've, they've played the Packers well beaten them a couple times in, in the past few, couple of years they, they beat the Patriots that one time in Sunday night football um but but yeah I, I it, it does it, it's wild like they, they took uh the Chiefs to the edge last year as well so it it, there doesn't seem to necessarily be any rhyme or reason to it 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 does kind of show that maybe what Matt Patricia doing is doing can work it just we haven't seen the consistency from it and and even you know against the Bears in week one they were they were fine after two maybe even three quarters Um, it's just that full game consistency that we don't see enough of in Detroit to really I guess believe in in what Matt Patricia is doing here you mentioned the secondaries banged up
1: pretty obvious there, but you did get some good news on the injury front that the third overall pick in the draft, Jeff Acuna likely good to go. He missed week one also dealing with an injury. What do you think he could bring to this unit other than obviously, you know, a, a, a talent or uh, depth in that sense, because you're already down to second and third string guys.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think depth is probably the biggest thing he brings. Um, Lines are, are really hurting on the outside there. Um, but, you know, we, we, I guess we don't really know yet. I, mean, I watched him in, in training camp, and um, the, the, the focus is there. I think the skill set is there. Just kind of need to put it all together and get the experience in. You never really know how a rookie cornerback is going to look like in his first game, and, and going against Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams is not really uh, a, a prime situation to, to be putting him to necessarily build his confidence. Then again, if, if he shows up well, and, and by all means, the guy is an extreme talent that, that should be a really good cornerback in this league. If he can show it right away, um, he's going to do a lot to, to build his own confidence and build a, a lot in the confidence Lions fans have in him. And I'm not saying he can't do it. It's just it's a very difficult position to be putting him in, um, especially considering the Lions play a lot of man coverage. Um, to be going man against a guy like Devontae Adams is, is not an easy task. But uh, it'll, it'll be a good challenge for him. It'll be good for him to finally get some of that experience and to finally display some of his talents to the Lions fans that have been waiting.
1: Definitely a, a good welcome to the NFL for the rookie corner. With that being said, all right, it wasn't all terrible in week one. What did you think worked really
0: well? What did you see that impressed you? I think the running game. Uh, that's something that the Lions have really been working on for a really, really long time, since, really since Barry Sanders. It's always been a work of progress. And it's kind of funny that a 35 year old Adrian Peterson is, is the guy that, that came to save uh, the, the town there. Um, obviously he looks like he's captured the fountain of youth. there, still making incredible cuts. Um, but a lot of credit also goes to that offensive line. They were opening up some, some big holes lands had over, I think 120 yards of, of rushing offense in, in week one against a, a pretty solid bears defense. And I know that that could, you know, cross over into week two a lot uh, pretty well because the Packers pass or run defense, um, not exactly one of the best in the league. So um, that's something that the Lions want to do. It's something that they'll definitely want to do in this game to keep the ball out of Aaron Rodgers' hands. So um, I think in terms of what they want to do on offense, they're getting closer to where they want to be in terms of an identity, a more balanced offense, Um, and especially with a guy like Kenny Galladay who continues to sit. um, Having a good run game is a nice antidote to that. What was your initial
1: reaction when you find out the, the Lions are bringing in Adrian Peterson?
0: It was bizarre. I mean, it's it, for a guy that has just been a, a torment to to the Lions for years and years. Uh, I, I still see him in a Honolulu blue jersey, and it makes me feel weird. It doesn't <laughs> feel right. It feels like I'm in some sort of bizarro world. It, it, it just it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense that he's still performing the way that he is as well. He he and Frank Gore have to have something interesting in their diet or something. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's a bizarre situation but it it also makes sense I mean the Lions have been looking for kind of that power back option for years they brought in T.J. Anderson a couple years ago they brought in LeGarrette Blunt both those guys were were kind of past their prime and Adrian Peterson has a history with with the Lions offensive coordinator Daryl Bevel so when when Washington cut him I I thought there was a chance and when it happened I I didn't really believe it but uh, it's here and he, he seems
1: to be working out so well so far. How important do you think Adrian Peterson's role will be with this offense throughout the season, but taking it a step further, the development of that young running back in DeAndre Swift?
0: Yeah, that's that's a really good question. Um, I think he's going to be really important off the bat. Um, his, his role might diminish a little bit. They obviously don't want to you know, workhorse the 35-year-old or anything like that. Um, but I think you, you, you hit it on the head with his development with Swift now. They're much different players. They're not going to be running the same way. They're not going to have the same running style. But, you know, with how last week ended, DeAndre Swift drops the potential game-winning pass. Um, I think Adrian Peterson's influence there is huge. And he, he said it himself. Peterson came up to him and was like, you got to shake this one off. You're not defined by what you do in your first game. You're, you're defined by how you react and kind of having that veteran presence. You know, Adrian Peterson has gone through similar stuff before. He's, he's fumbled balls in big big, big games. And so having a guy like that who knows how to respond, who, who will help you kind of mentally rebound, um, I think could be huge. You mentioned Kenny Galladay, who's still nursing an injury. His status,
1: uh, I believe, still unknown for for Sunday's matchup. In terms of the receiving core, who needs to step up? Who's a guy that you need to see a little bit more from in
0: week two against the Green Bay Packers? I think it's Probably uh, rookie Quintus Cephas. Um, he got a lot of targets last game um, in, in Galladay's absence. I think he saw 10 passes thrown his way. I think he only caught three of them though. So I think the lines are going to want to see a little more um, consistency, efficiency out of him there. I know for a fact that him and Matthew Stafford have a, a good rapport. They work together in the off season. Um, so I, I think they're feeling each other out still a little bit, but um, he's a guy that clearly Stafford trusts. And if they can just kind of develop that chemistry a little bit better, um, I, I think the lines will be okay. Um, the, their pass offense didn't struggle that much against the Bears last week. Um, a, another guy who you saw get involved a lot was tight end TJ Hawkinson in the second year. I think he continues to see a, a pretty big workload there. But in terms of improvements from week one, I, I think uh, they'd like to see a little more efic- efficiency out of that rookie in Quinton Cephas.
1: Any specific player in week one that you were extremely disappointed with and why?
0: Probably, uh, Will Harris, um, second year safety. Um, it, it's kind of been an interesting situation because Tracy Walker is another young safety of theirs that, um, ever has played really well through two years. He's a guy that, um, a lot of people thought was one of the leaders on this defense, one of, maybe even one of the best players on this defense and Will Harris started in front of him, uh, in week one. Now they both ended up getting like 80, 90% of the snaps because the lines like to play three safeties all the time. Um, but, Based on what I've seen in Will Harris, uh, he doesn't necessarily deserve to be getting all those snaps yet. Um, still young, still lot, making a lot of rookie mistakes. And, and a lot of it is also just live reps for the defense, right? There's no preseason, so all the missed tackles, all the missed assignments, a lot of that stuff is just going to come with time this year. Um, but but I have to say, in, entering year two, I was hoping a little bit more for him in, in his debut. And, and eventually we may see it, but uh, just kind of a rough debut for him.
1: Finish the sentence here. The Detroit Lions de- defeat the Green Bay Packers if?
0: If they run the ball all, all day. Um, that, Like I said, I think that's going to be the game plan um, is just keep the ball on the ground, keep, play, keep uh, the ball away from Aaron Rodgers, keep him on the sidelines, um, and then when he is out there, you're probably going to have to pick off a pass or two, which is no easy task. But if they can control the clock and, and finish in the red zone, um, I think they're going to have a good chance, um, and and like I said, I think the Packers are a little vulnerable there. Um, they they might be missing some key guys there on defense. So if the Lions can just play small ball, make it really slow, limit the possessions for each team, they're, they're going to keep it close. And and who knows what happens in the fourth quarter.
1: Before I had you on, I was talking about the score prediction. I was thinking Green Bay could easily put up you know anywhere between. 30 and 35 points, just based on what you saw in week one, right? And you combine the the week secondary um, of the Lions. What's your score prediction? Do you think this one's going to be a little closer?
0: I think it'll be a little bit closer, but I'm right there with you that I'm not entirely sure how I see this Lions defense stopping the Packers offense. Um, Obviously, they came up guns a-blazing last week against the Vikings, and we all know what the Vikings defense has looked like for the past five, six years, so um definitely a wake-up call for the lions who who struggled defensively last week but like i said i think they're going to string out possessions uh you know run a lot of clocks so i think we're just going to see long possessions from both teams which means that it might be a little lower scoring than you think i have it at packers 24 Lions 20 but if the lions can't get the running game going then i'm right there with you the packers could probably hang a 40 burger on the lions Jeremy Reisman,
1: Detroit Lions beat writer for Pride of Detroit. Give him a follow on Twitter at Detroit Online. Jeremy, enjoy the game, and as always, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. Go, pack, go! Special thanks again to Jeremy Reisman, Detroit Lions beat writer for Pride of Detroit. Give him a follow on Twitter at Detroit Online. Gave us a lot of good information there about the Detroit Lions, all right? He voiced his concerns. About that secondary. As I stated before, having Jeremy on. Yeah, you're getting Jeff Okuna back. He's making his debut, but with that being said, not the easiest task, okay? You're nursing the hamstring injury. You're going up against Aaron Rodgers, and you're going to have to go up against one of the best wide receivers in the NFL in Devontae Adams. It's not going to be easy for the rookie. A great welcome to the NFL. With that being said, I do agree with him on a couple points. The Lions are going to really have to try to establish the run game. And they have a really good opportunity of doing that. And if they could get that going and keep Aaron Rodgers on the sideline, it could be a long day. But they're going to have to score points. They can't sustain long drives and settle for field goals or no points similar to what the Packers did early on against the Vikings. All things considered, though, I I really think that this secondary is way too banged up. Way too banged up if the Packers could get some good production from their defensive line. Hold The Lions running backs. Contain them. It's going to be a long day for the Lions. Jeremy's going 24-20. I'm going anywhere 30-17. 30-20. I really think we're going to see 30 points again from Aaron Rodgers and company. I'd be shocked if, if I don't. I'd be very shocked just based... On how they played in week one. How that offense looked. I expect a little bit more from the running backs in Green Bay. Mix that together with the the lack of depth. The injury for the secondary for the Lions. And you got yourself a hell of an offensive game once again for the Green Bay Packers. Starting off the year 2-0. Two wins against against the division for the Green Bay Packers. Would be crucial. Starting off with two wins against the division. Would be extremely helpful. Because it, it's not, it doesn't get easier for Green Bay. This beginning stretch is no walk in the park. Next week against the Saints. The following week against the Falcons. An early bye week, which I can't stand. Love the bye week later in the, week, later in the year. You come back from the bye. You play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who I guarantee will not be the same Buccaneers team that we watched in week one. Texans and the Vikings again. And by the way, right after the Vikings, the 49ers. Every game is crucial. Every game is important. Gotta win the easy ones. I'm not saying this is an easy one. But this is an easy one. Now, before I let you go, can't let you go without this segment. Three picks of the week, baby. It's time. Voice guy, hit it. It's time for Joe's three picks of the week. All right, so where am I going? Last week, I felt a little bad because I took all favorites. I usually don't like that. I usually don't do that. I sprinkle it around. I mix it up a little bit. This week, I definitely mixed it up a little bit. Game number one, I'm taking the Rams plus one and a half on the road against the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, why am I taking this game? Not because I loved what the Rams did against the Dallas Cowboys in week one. Although it felt like they led that game and they dominated that game despite how close it was at the end and really threw out. Never felt like they were going to lose that game, truthfully. But the reason why I like the Rams on the road and the points is because I did not like anything that I saw from the Philadelphia Eagles in week one against a Washington football team who is not good. Kudos to Ron Rivera, to that defensive line. They had themselves a field day. I guess Carson Wentz in that offensive line. Did you see what Aaron Donald did to the Cowboys offensive line? This man may have four or five sacks on Sunday. I don't think Carson Wentz makes it the, the entire season. He is getting a beating week in and week out. And it's only it, we've only watched one week and we saw him get destroyed. Eight sacks. Give me the Rams plus one and a half. My second pick of the week. This one's my most risque, I think. Most dangerous pick. I am taking the Giants plus five and a half on the road against the Chicago Bears. Now, this is not me picking against the Bears, picking against the division, no. has nothing to do with that. The Bears should be an 0-1 team right now. We heard it from Jeremy. We've seen the highlights. You make stupid mistakes at crucial times. You find, you, you find yourself losing. And that's exactly what the Lions did in week one. I don't have enough confidence in me. Clearly, you heard it from Jeremy too. Mitch Trubisky is not a good quarterback. Even though the Giants lost week 1 at home against the Steelers. It wasn't all that bad. I think you're going to have a very 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 motivated Saquon Barkley this week. Former Giant legend Tiki Barber calls him out saying he's not an everyday ba- every down back. Got to learn how to block if he wants to survive in this league. Not wrong. But I think that, that, that may have sparked something in Saquon Barkley so I'm excited to watch him play after his very slow performance in week one by the way the Bears they just gave up almost 100 yards to Adrian Peterson they may have themselves a very tough afternoon trying to contain Saquon Barkley and company give me the Giants plus 5.5 Here we go. We're staying on the road, but this time a road favorite, not a road dog. I've taken two road dogs. Give me the San Francisco 49ers minus seven on the road against the New York Jets. Two 0-1 teams, two teams that did not look good week one. But here's the difference. The San Francisco 49ers, they're a football team. The New York Jets, I don't know what they are. All I know is they're not good. And even if George Kittle were to be out, I still give the edge to the 49ers. The Jets have nothing. No weapons around Sam Darnold. Mediocre defense. I could easily see the Niners going into MetLife, winning by 10-plus points, cruising to victory. And the Niners need this. This is a team that was just in the Super Bowl. You can't start the season 0-2. If you start the season 0-2, you learn a lot about this Niners team. You learn a lot about Jimmy Garoppolo. Two losses to the Arizona Cardinals and the New York Jets? Oh, no. You better believe that the 49ers are coming into town and ready to kick some ass. And win by double digits in this one. So give me the 49ers minus seven on the road. So my three picks, again, all brought to you by FanDuel.com. Check them out, FanDuel.com. Depending on when you listen to the podcast, those lines may have changed a little bit. So don't yell at me that you didn't get that game at one and a half minus seven. I'm just letting you know from the day, the timing that I'm recording, these are the lines. Give me the Rams plus one and a half. The Giants, plus five and a half. The 49ers, minus seven, on the road. Three road teams. Those are my picks of the week. <laughs> Hoping to go 6-0. and Nice back-to-back 3-0. and Hell of a way to start the season. Hell of a way. Be nice to have a little bit extra green, extra Scott all in the pockets. Let's see how we do. That'll wrap up episode 41 of the Sharp Cheddar podcast. Special thanks again, Jeremy Reichman, hopping on, talking Detroit football. Special thanks to you, the listeners. Always appreciate all of you listening to the podcast. Give me a follow on Twitter, at Joe, double underscore, D-A-L-O-I-S-I-O. We'll break it down. We'll be talking about the game. You know I'm a tweeting machine when the Green Bay Packers are playing throughout the week, so come interact. If you haven't already subscribed to the podcast, what the hell are you waiting for? All right? You can find us on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, SoundCloud. All those podcast platforms. Like it. Subscribe. Tell me what you hate about it. Tell me you hate me. I don't care. Just listen to the damn thing. Again, give me a follow on Twitter at Joe, double underscore, D-A-L-O-I-S-I-O. And as always, Go Pack Go.